coming up next on The Health Hustle. I'm going to go out there and do what I'm called to do. And that's when I realized I was like, I need to get my own place. I need to just do it. And it was the scariest thing. It was like jumping off a cliff, blindfolded, head first. And you're like, I'm going to fucking die. I'm going to die. This is the scariest thing I've ever done. <laughs> and because um, I had no idea what I was doing. No, I had no, no idea. I didn't know how to build a web. I tried to do it all on my own for about six months. And then within like, I got COVID and I had really bad long-term COVID. Like my hands had such a terrible rash on them, like high, broke out in hives and my hands were like bloody nubs. I could barely work. Every time I would touch someone, it hurt me, but I just had to keep working because it was only me doing everything. And luckily, like my key to success, basically coming out of the pandemic and doubling my income in six months, like allowed me to buy a house. It allowed me to live my dream life, but I had to keep my overhead low. And so I suffered through that by not having employees and not having creature comforts, I guess you could say. Hey folks, and welcome to the Health Hustle of Austin, Texas. On this show, we break down the big ideas from your fellow health and fitness entrepreneurs in the Austin, Texas area about how they built their business and the lessons they learned along the way. I'm your host, Corey Haven, and on this episode, I had a chance to sit down with Amanda Massey of Elite Motion and Performance. Amanda is an animal chiropractor. Yep, I'll say it again, a chiro for animals. If you're like me, you probably noticed that literally everyone has a pet these days, so you can imagine the animal health service business is booming. On this episode, we get into why Amanda decided to become an animal chiro in the first place, why you should serve the person you once were, how to adjust a 1,200-pound animal, why you should treat your clients like family, staying true to what you're called to do, her most expensive mistake slash getting scammed, connecting with like-minded people, how she got her first patient, a rapid-fire question round, taking the leap into entrepreneurship, and so much more. If you haven't already, do us a huge favor and please subscribe and write us a review. This show is about helping health and fitness professionals to help you build a business that fits your lifestyle by giving us a review. It helps other people find the show and join us on that journey. If you're looking for simple and actionable tips on how to market and grow your health business, click the link in the description and sign up for my 3 Tips Tuesday newsletter. 3 tips every Tuesday to help you keep those leads coming. Also, if you need help with building your website, I offer a free audit that you can find on my website. Without further ado, let's go. Amanda, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great been a great day and we finally have rain here in Austin. Yeah, you say that to the guy who rode his motorcycle to get here in the rain. So Yeah. Almost died probably getting here. That's what true love looks like, Amanda. It's <laughs> literally what I said when I got here. Well the funny thing about it is that even on the way here, even though like riding through the rain, I was like, this is kind of dangerous. At the same time, I was like, this is gonna be a fun story to tell someday about how I'm just like getting peppered by rain in texas mm -hmm. on my motorcycle so at the same time i was like well cool story to tell someday so yeah and hopefully the bridge isn't flooded on your way out so there's that <laughs> wow all right learn something new <laughs> so let's go back to the origin story of i know you had some childhood stuff related to cairo and animals as to how you kind of got into it can you tell that story for us yeah so um i'm an animal chiropractor i became an animal chiropractor because I wanted to help animals just like chiropractic helped my animals growing up. I grew up on a horse farm in Northeast Texas and we played polo as a family. And so we had about 12 horses and one of them injured her hip and was very lame and 
our veterinarian that we saw at the time, he said, hey, you know, you might want to try this chiropractor. And it was a veterinarian who's also a chiropractor. And he's actually quite a legend now, um, Dr. Bill Ormston. Like he has his own chiropractic course, travels all over the country teaching animal chiropractic. But he was our animal chiropractor. We're really fortunate to have him uh, work on our horses as a child. And so he came out and adjusted her several times and then said, okay, turn her out and we'll check her again in a few months. And then when she came back, she was able to play polo again for several more years and was a very healthy horse. And typically when you have a an injury to a large joint, like the SI joint in a horse, a lot of times veterinary treatment is like rest and injections, but we were able to treat it with chiropractic care and have her back playing polo without her missing a beat. And so I thought that was really cool. I had never seen chiropractic before on a human. I'd just seen it on the animal first. Uh, I thought it was just wizardry, really, truly. And then later on, while I was in school at A&M, I met another animal chiropractor who was also my, my chiropractor. And so I had injured my back playing polo, and I was dating a cyclist at the time, and he's like, go see my chiropractor. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I went to see her, and she fixed me up, and going through school, I always wanted to be a doctor and my sister wasn't studying to be a veterinarian and I did not want to be a veterinarian, but I always loved animals, but I also wanted to help people and felt gifted in that way. And so I was studying more for the MCAT in my last year of college, shadowing a lot of physicians and surgeons and having a good time. Like trying to figure that out. But then my last year of school, I was so burnt out and I realized I was like, I don't think I mentally can handle going through a residency. Basically my last year of college, I had several family members and a friend die and I was drinking too much and got sexually assaulted at a party And then I really was messed up because then I couldn't sleep, had PTSD. I was really messed up, like not okay. and didn't know how to be okay. And I thought, I don't think I could do this. So I wasn't sure if I could even be a doctor. So I ended up taking another major and um, got a conservation biology wildlife degree, which is actually really hard because herpetology, ichthyology, ornithology, mammalogy, like all those courses, like you have to learn the genus species and how to identify all these animals and all their physiology, all their anatomy, crazy stuff. A lot of big words, a lot of, I can beat anyone in Scrabble. (laughs) 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 So um, anyways, decided I didn't want to be a park ranger or get my PhD. And my chiropractor at the time was like, you would be such a good chiropractor. You already know all the prereqs and just check out Parker. And that's the school I went to in Dallas. And they had an animal chiropractic program, one of the only animal chiropractic programs at that time. What is the obsession with animals? I'm curious as to like why you seem to have this passion for helping animals versus people, I guess. I mean, not that you don't help people as well, but still. I do love people. I love helping people. I do prefer helping animals to people. Like, I mean, honestly, like if I'm at a park and I'm petting someone's dog, I might be adjusting that dog 
maybe. <laughs> just not telling them about yeah. it. Just like doing some adjustments. Just and, trying to help them out. You yeah. Know, give them a little boost. You can make a lot of friends that way though because people love their animals. So. Yeah. But so why animals? What is it about them? I think it's because they kind of gravitate towards me too. I think it's an energetic thing also. I don't know if it's energetic. I don't know if it's power. I don't know why, but something about animals, there's no real placebo effect either. So they don't know if they don't know they're, they just know that your intention is good. And how do they know that instincts instincts? I mean, wild animals don't think people are good. So, so are you like Mrs. Doolittle or what? Do you talk to animals? Yeah, you have to kind of talk to the animals a little bit, like using nonverbal signals. That's how animals communicate. So I was in the sauna yesterday, literally telling somebody that I was going to have this interview. And I was telling her, I was like, yeah, she's an animal Cairo. And as everyone reacts, she's like, what? And all super curious, right? And she told me, though, that I was going to ask her if this is true or not. So here we are. Okay. She said, I've heard that when you give like an adjustment or a treatment or something to an animal that you know it works if they like lick their lips. Yes. That's true. That is true. That is a good um, indicator that they're, the animal is experiencing a parasympathetic release. So is polo a big thing in Texas or where does that yeah. come from? Polo is a big thing in Texas. Is it? Okay. We have one of the biggest polo clubs in the U.S. in Houston. How did you and your family get into polo? So we bought a ranch in North Texas in the 90s and then my dad got offered a job in Indonesia. Well, before that, we were riding horses on the ranch and I fell off the horse and broke my femur, totally screwed myself up. And then my dad got this job and was like, all right, you're out of the cast. Off we go to Indonesia. And then of course, there was no PT involved or anything. It's just like, well, let's put her on the swim team. She gained a lot of weight while she was sitting in the wheelchair. <laughs> and so my self-esteem Tough was love. terrible. Tough yeah. love. Tough love. But uh, we started taking riding lessons because my parents realized, like, mm, it's unsafe to ride horses if you don't know what you're doing. And so we started taking lessons as a family. And then my dad got bored, like, trotting around the ring. And he met a guy that played polo. The guy was like, hey, you want to play polo? And my dad said, sure. And so then my parents bought horses and got hooked on this sport. And then when we moved back to the States, they were like, do you guys want to ride horses and play polo or do you want to live in the city? And we were like, no, we want to live in the country. And so we decided to do that and live out in the country and raise horses. And it was a blast. So every day after school, I'd go ride my horses. And we traveled all over the country playing polo. I know you've had quite a few injuries from horse riding. Are this where all your major injuries come from? Pretty much. Just falling off of horses? Most of them. Like, Is that where that expression comes from, I take it then? Just get back on the horse kind of situation? Yeah, pretty much. Break a femur, just get back on the horse. Yeah, I broke my femur, broke my back, separated my shoulder, broken a rib, Hmm. concussion, several whiplash injuries from the horses. I think... I'm trying to think of an injury I've had that wasn't on the horse. I got on a zip line one time, homemade zip line, and went down it with my friends. We all decided to get on it together. It's supposed to be one person at a time, but get three girls, three 10-year-old girls hanging on to each other. I was on the bottom, and we broke it, and they fell on me, and I broke my foot when I was young. 
I broke my feet. I broke my foot on 6th Street once, too. So, yeah, I've definitely had a couple. The second you said a homemade zip line, <laughs> I already knew where this story was that going. Was a bad idea. Homemade zip line. Sounds safe. What happened on 6th Street? Were you just out drinking? Uh, it was my sister's bachelorette party, actually. And it was the end of the night. And so certain places on 6th Street, if you get in before they close at 2, you can stay there till 4 and, like, dance. And so I wanted to stay at this one place and the girls wanted to go home. And so they were like, we're going home, get in the pedicab. And I was like, no, I want to stay. <laughs> and then I stepped off the curb and broke my foot. That easy? And yeah, I had boots on too. I wasn't even wearing heels, but yeah, boop, rolled it, broke it, got in the pedicab, went back to where we were staying. And of course, me being the chiropractor that I am, I was like, I just sprained it and I do this technique called fascial distortion model, which is um, hands-on way to basically I thought I'd sprained my ankle. So I was going to use my hands to move the fascia from the torn tendon and reattach it to the bone. It's actually really effective if you get after it right when the injury occurs. It's also effective for animals. I'm probably the only person that does fascial distortion model on animals in the whole country, for real. But um, it's a really cool technique. But I've realized I broke my foot when I could feel it move as I was trying to fix myself in the bathroom at the hotel at like 3 in the morning, obliterated. Do you have like osteoporosis? Why do your bones break so easy? I am a... I play hard, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I've broken a number of bones myself. I've broken my collarbone, my hand, my wrists. Almost broke my femur. but I don't think I have osteoporosis. I'm just kidding. But it just seems like you trip on a curb. I don't feel I'm like... I'm super accident prone. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Which makes sense why you're in the healthcare industry, obviously. Yeah. Broken people go into professions to help other people. See, that's what people would always ask me, too. They're like, oh, you broke all these bones. Is that why you got into it? And I was like, I guess. I don't. Yeah. Because you felt like you could help people. Yeah. Because you have this experience. Like for me, when I feel, I can actually feel people's pain. Like I literally, like today, I had someone come in that had injured her back and had this. She couldn't do a sit-up like without feeling the pain in her back. And I was like, I've had this happen to me before. And, of course, she had never been adjusted by hand. I'd just been doing a lot of manual and therapy, like just therapies with her. And I knew it was going to hurt to set that, like, TL junction back. And I was just like, all right, take a deep breath, look up, boom, like, set it. And it was big. It was a huge, like, deep set movement that she felt but then she was able to do sit-ups rotations do everything that she needed to do after that so like restoring function sometimes you have to really encourage people to be like i've been here i know exactly what's wrong i've experienced this myself take a deep breath boom to tie this all back to just like business philosophies i feel like in today's world especially there's so much to be said about just the word of empathy it's such a buzzword these days but there's so much truth to being able to understand somebody's experience and that's why you hear so much of the advice out there of anyone like wanting to start a business or wanting to get into things is like 
serve the person you once were, right? Is like, what are the, what are the pains or the experiences or the things that you've been through that you learn from that you can now help somebody else with? Not only because like you have the roadmap, but also because like you have the empathy to understand that what that person went through, right? Like for me, for example, I'm very interested into like technology and obviously marketing, web design, that's what I do now. And a lot of that's rooted in technology. And for me as a kid, tinkering with computers and playing video games and learning how to build a computer like that all started for me at a young age and it just took me a long time to like grow up and realize like oh that makes sense is like this is the stuff I used to love just tinkering with out of pure curiosity as a child Mm -hmm. and so often I think that's where we end up going and some people figure it out sooner than later right like Warren Buffett figured out real quickly like he likes financial and numbers and stocks at a very young age and he just did that the rest of his life but for so many of us others out there like trying to build a business or trying to figure out what our thing is is like it's a lot of trial and error but so often it ends up being the thing of like yeah I used to dabble with this as a child and I loved it and now I get to do it as an adult right yeah I think I wanted to help animals and I I honestly really wanted to be a surgeon when I was young. Wow. And I like the I like the fixing of things, but I didn't have the mental stability at when I was in college to go to vet school. I did not want to go to vet, veterinary school. And I'm glad I didn't because I can still contribute and help animals and help people without having to be a surgeon. Granted, my sister is a veterinarian. She's an excellent surgeon. And there's parts of me that I'm like, oh, you got to do surgery today. I'm jealous and excited. But there are parts of her day that I'm so happy that I don't have to deal with also. So there's a lot of pros and cons, but there's definitely, in my mind, more pros to being a chiropractor because I get to help make animals feel better. And there's a lot of gratification in that where I'm watching them improve and walk out the door alive. And a lot of times a veterinarian is helping in their life and in their suffering. So there's a huge, that's a huge reason why I like what I love, what I do and have always wanted to do that. Well, and I don't think it's coincidental at all that both you and your sister are obviously into animals, right? Like, yeah, my parents just let us have a ton of animals when we were kids, birds, chickens snake so i gotta ask how in the world do you adjust a 1200 pound animal i use biomechanics so i have several tools that help me get into the right position to apply the force in the correct angle of the facet joint or the vertebral body joint or the si joint or whatever joint i'm adjusting so i'm at i'm at an angle that doesn't require as much force as just like bonking it with a hammer or something, you know, that's not going to do anything, but you've got to be in the right, like you've got to have the correct line of drive. You've got to be in the correct place at the right time to do the adjustments. It's all about timing also. Like the horse has to be relaxed. They have to be in the right position. It's like a dance, do the dance, make it happen. And of course they're moving. They are moving while you're moving. So you're doing, you are literally doing a dance with the animal. Okay. So you've been practicing now for seven years, right? Yeah. 
let's get into some of that and what's some of the things that we can learn from some of this journey. So obviously there hasn't been all hunky dory for the past seven years, um, right. especially with even the pandemic and whatever, but like, what are maybe some of like the big moments in this journey that we can take away from this that people could learn from? Yeah, I think probably the first one I learned a big lesson was when I first moved to Austin and I was out of school and I was working as a contractor for another doctor in town and she was an excellent business mentor. Luckily, like I had acquired all of the skills I needed from a clinician standpoint to help my patients and do right by them. So obviously be good at what you do. That's like number one thing. And then take care of people like they're your family because I have a cash practice. So that's what I do. Um, if you don't have a cash practice, I guess you don't have to do that, but you still should. Like if you're a doctor, you should, you should, that's your patient should be your number one priority. Um, so just having those two values going into it, I think helped me, but I didn't know how to network. I didn't know how to keep patients. I was good at getting them, but I had trouble keeping them in the beginning because I would get them better. And then I would be like, Oh, you're great. See you later. And I wouldn't say, hey, do you have any friends or family that I could also help? Mm. I would love to build my business. And just being real and honest with people about that in the beginning would have probably saved me some heartache because I was really poor when I first started. To the point where when I first started my business in Austin as a chiropractor, I took another job like working, selling dog food at PetSmart just to meet pet owners. Okay, most humiliating job of my life. I ran into a friend from college there at the PetSmart and they were like, what are you doing here? Aren't you a doctor? I was like, oh God, I got to get out of here. You did, that as, <laughs> you did that as a networking opportunity though, right? Well, yeah, but I also wanted to make a little extra money okay. too. I mean, that's fair. So that was my idea. Two birds with one stone. You sure. got to optimize your time. Totally your agree. time is the most valuable thing you have as an entrepreneur. That is the most valuable thing you have. So you've got to utilize your time properly. You've got to make sure that the events and the people you're with and the people you're surrounding with are aligned with the same goals and the mindset you have, because that's going to build abundance in your life from a philosophical standpoint, but also from a return on investment. So you look at it both ways. I didn't like my boss and her mindset because I thought she was very money focused. Mm-hmm. Sure. She was very return on investment. If it doesn't make dollars, it's not making sense kind of deal. Like she, she would not do anything unless it was going to make her money. And I didn't like that because I thought there's more to life than just making money. I also feel like I'm called by higher power to do what I do. Like I love what I do. I'm very passionate about it. I would do it for free if I could. I think I'm still very much undercharging for my services, which now that I need to probably sit down and like look at all that, but I'm really bad at that because that's not where my strengths are. I have a CPA, thank God, that helps me with that. That's the other thing is delegate. If you're not good at something, delegate that task. Like bookkeeping is not my strength. Admin stuff, not a strength. Uh, so I have delegated those tasks to other people so I can focus on being a good doctor. I ended up becoming a pretty good networker. I started, I joined a BNI group. I joined several health and wellness groups, women's groups, basically wanted to attract 
animal lovers, active people. I put it out there like those are the those are my people. And so horse people has been my manifestation recently, like attracting horse people. I love horse people. They're so broken and like also just real. And I love that about them. I don't know why, but I, I like to, I like challenges. So I picked the horse, horse people, people are broken. What do you mean by that? Can you relate oh, to that? What are you talking about? Physically broken because they have been riding horses their whole lives, uh, training horses, riding. It's an incredibly dangerous sport being an equestrian. Yeah. And the short time I know you I've discovered. Yeah. Everyone. It's like people riding motorcycles. <laughs> So, you know, they all have injuries. <laughs> so I don't know anyone that rides a motorcycle that hasn't um, injured themselves in some way. They also have complicated and challenging body, fascial, my, like myofascial problems that usually require my services. So I can help those people. So I like them. So I attract them to me. Yeah, I just want to recap a couple of things that you hit on that I hear a lot on the show and is, is always good reminders of one of like the piece of delegating in terms of this. That's a growing pain I'm personally going through as well of like learning where your time is best spent, right? Even most recently, I was working as a creative too. I was working on a, a logo for a client and I realized that like, yeah, I could spend the hours making this logo for this client or I could delegate to this to one of my team members and save myself the time and then focus that same time on business development and creating systems and the other things that actually helps grow the business. So that's one thing that you really hit on that I think is really important. And the second thing I feel like is so common on the show is undervaluing as a healthcare provider what we do. Um, and so if somebody is used to be an occupational therapist is like, you are providing somebody arguably the most important thing in their life which is their health and so like charge accordingly right is that that's the challenge of this industry is that we get into it because yeah we want to help people or animals in your case and so yeah that's that's great that that comes from a place of like good morals and wanting to actually make a difference in the world but at the same time you're providing a service and a value that is so important to people like charge for it yeah I think a lot of people don't realize that healthcare provide what healthcare providers go through to become a healthcare provider, going through school, taking out loans, starting a business, keeping the doors open at the business, paying their employees, keeping their doors open. Like it's a struggle. And so when I started my practice, when I left all my contracting jobs because of the pandemic, basically shut everything down. I had great relationships with my patients and I had great relationships with the people of like my community in Austin um, and the surrounding areas, but I didn't have a place to work and I didn't have a website and I didn't have a scheduling software and I didn't know what to do because I had had all that done for me in the past. And so through the pandemic, I was like, I'm either not going to work and not make any money and just sit here depressed or I'm going to go out there and do what I'm called to do. And that's when I realized I was like, I need to get my own place. I need to just do it. And it was the scariest thing. It was like jumping off a cliff, blindfolded head first. And you're like, I'm going to fucking die. I'm going to die. This is the scariest thing I've ever done. <laughs> and, um, cause I had no idea what I was doing. No, I had no, no idea. I didn't know how to build a web. I, 
tried to do it all on my own for about six months. And then within like, I got COVID and I had really bad long-term COVID. Like my hands had such a terrible rash on them, like high, broke out in hives and my hands were like bloody nubs. I could barely work. Every time I would touch someone, it hurt me. But I just had to keep working because it was only me doing everything. And luckily, like my key to success, basically coming out of the pandemic and doubling my income in six months, like allowed me to buy a house. It allowed me to live my dream life, but I had to keep my overhead low. And so I suffered through that by not having employees and not having creature comforts, I guess you could say. So So what's the secret? What do you feel like? The secret is you got to like grind through it. You don't want to del- oh you don't want to over overcommit in the beginning when you start your business mm. unless you're really okay with going into a lot of debt which I was not okay with. It's good debt though if you're like going into business debt and you but you've got to make sure that when you commit to going into debt for something you are committed to seeing that that thing through all the way. And I think some business owners who are doctors do not do that very well. And they get in over their head with a lot of debt. And then they turn into this machine where they're like, well, I've got to pay all this off. So I need this, this, and this to be able to pay it off. I'm going to buy this new laser, this new contraption, and we'll just sell that to people. And that'll eventually pay for this. And it's just a, a big cycle of things. And that's not why people come to see you. They come to see you because they want to get better and they actually like you as the person, the practitioner. I think most of my patients like seeing me because of what, like my skills and that's my next step is like trying to figure out how to train someone to be like me. Well, I think the principle I want to pull out of that is just that idea of staying lean and what it does for you psychologically Mm. is that it allows you to make the decisions that are best for the business, not for what's going to essentially keep the lights on or put money in your pocket. Because so often we get caught in that trap of like, well, we got to pay the rent at the end of this month. And so like, we're going to just say yes to everybody. And then that becomes just a rat race of just like trying to continue to pay the bills versus doing the things that are innately best for you as a practitioner and best for your patients is like, again, to go back to the fact of like what I do from a creative standpoint is like the ability to say no has become so valuable in my life in the sense that if I'm not excited about a project and I can say no to that, that's so important because that opens up now as you were saying earlier, time and energy to put towards the things that I am excited about or could do things that could be building the business, whether it's business development or networking or whatever it is. Totally. And also doing the things you enjoy attract those people to you. So like through the pandemic, I bought horses because I enjoy horses and I thought, why not? So I just did it. And those horses have entered me into a network of other people that own horses that have become my friends and we connect on a, on a deeper level because we share the same hobby. And, um, that's probably why I have more horse people coming in to see me and horses in my, on my schedule, because that's what I've manifested and attracted to me. And so my advice to people like young, like new entrepreneurs, is do the things you like to do with the people that you want to attract to you 
and put yourself in that place. Like you got to put yourself just like joining a wine club or going to the golf course is not going to do it unless you really like those things and you're passionate about it. Yeah. I got to imagine you're in a pretty small market of people when it comes to horses and animal Cairo. Well, it's a small market, especially polo, because that's like an even smaller horse market. But um, and I don't say that in a bad thing, because like I think a being good, a niche, right? That's what I was gonna say. Is like I think a good thing to pull away from that is that uh, Seth Godin, one of my greatest marketers of all time. I don't know if you know who he is. He's one of my favorite people. But anyways, he he talks about like find the smallest viable audience that you can serve, essentially that you can help and add value to. And so it's it's not one person, but it's also not like thousands of people right there's there's a there's a viable audience of people that you can help and add a lot of value to and i gotta imagine being here in austin as somebody into horses and animal cairo and polo like that's for sure a million dollar business if you really tap into that yeah because those people they um they have the assets and the the priority to make sure their health is good and they are willing to pay cash for those services they don't have time to waste. They want to get better. So they're, we're, we're both, I'm aligned with those people pretty well. And then their family and friends are also good patients for me too. So you definitely attract what you're putting out there. And so like in times of my practice when things have been slow or I've been attracting a lot of vampires, as I want to call them, <laughs> less than ideal patients or people. It's usually because there's something I'm putting out there that's attracting that to me. And so doing some work on myself and having a self-care system is also probably one of the keys to my success so that I haven't burned myself out and I enjoy going to work every day and everyone I'm attracting to me is positive and happy and enjoying their life and doing fun stuff. Mm. And going fun places and having a good time and and celebrating me when I have fun because I have a lot of fun in my life and enjoying hearing about my life too. So I have patients that are really good friends. They want to hear about my travel stories and they want to tell me their travel stories. So building that relationship is so key. And if you don't have any way to relate to your people, how are you going to keep them in your community? What's the most expensive business mistake you've made? And that could be monetarily or emotionally. Hmm, I've made a couple. I once got scammed for like $10,000 at work on my work computer. That was the most stupid thing I've ever done. Basically, I got a virus on my computer and I called the Microsoft support team number, but that was not the Microsoft support team number. Oh, no. Oh, no, is right. This was horrible. This was the most embarrassing but horrible thing that's happened because that was literally like all my life savings at that time. I learned that lesson early. Anyways, I let them on my computer. I let them have access to my bank information. And uh, within three hours, they cleaned me out. And I filed a police report with Austin Police Department. I haven't sent I gave them my computer for six months. They didn't find anything. I'm sure these guys were in India somewhere. Ugh, horrible. None of it was even recoverable, even by the bank. So what did you do? I just decided to work harder and made up. I just worked Saturdays for a while. and With the practice? This was during when you had the practice? Yes. 
This was So you were just like trying to pull in every patient you could at that point or what? Yeah, I started hustling, man. I just started hustling. I started calling people, Hey, do you need an adjustment? I can be at your house. Like whatever. I was just like Were you pitching the sob story to anybody? No. Okay. Nobody knew about this. I don't think I've even Too told this story to anyone. Yeah, it's the stupidest thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not. I was very embarrassed. I'm still embarrassed, but now it's been a, a little bit of time has passed, and I've obviously like bought a house and have I made up made up for it. So I'm like, well, if you lose ten thousand dollars in one day, you'll make it up. You can. I'm just saying. Have Have you seen the Twinders? Twin Twin Tinder Swindler. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's the that's kind of what happened. That's sort of what it feels like, right? Not. I mean, feel it like is what it feels like. It feels most. It's violating. It's mm -hmm. horrible. It's a horrible feeling. So, did you ever like try to yeah. find this person on your own and just like, no, okay, no, just let it, just let it go? I would have murdered them. I would. Yeah. I had dreams about like burning their house down. I mean, <laughs> I was really angry. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember how you got your first patient as an entrepreneur? Yeah. Pretty sure my first patient was a referral from one of the other doctors in the office. And it, oh, actually, no. Oh, this is a really funny story. Different. Actually, this is my real first patient. He's a polo player, He's a good friend <laughs> of, of mine. Yeah. <laughs> and I had just moved to Austin. And before I moved to Austin, I was playing polo in College Station a lot. And there's a family that has a polo field in College Station. And they are, they're the best. They are like mi familia, like great, great people. And so on, one of the patriarchs of the family went down to Mexico, fell off his horse, tore his groin. And his wife saw me on Facebook and was like, because I was making content and posting it on Facebook about um, soft tissue injuries and my cold laser therapy and my cold laser protocol and all this stuff. And, um, she's like, go see Amanda, go see Dr. Massey. And so he would drive from college station to see me and cause he had a polo tournament in six weeks. So he wanted me to, to help him with that situation in a short amount of time. I've never in my history of working, seen anything like this again. Thank God. The man was black and blue from his navel to his knee from tearing that muscle, his adductor. Ooh. Yeah. Very bad. Like, it could have... He still plays polo, actually. But um, it could have been really bad, but it was one of those where he was my only patient, so I would spend a lot of time on that and, like, getting that muscle to um, reattach and heal and stimulate healing there. So that was a fun one. Of course... Then I started attracting all these groin tears from older men. <laughs> Just horse people with leg injuries. Really good with leg injuries. Not just horse people, but also one of the other doctors that I worked with. She tore her calf muscle. And so she was also one of my first patients where I got to prove myself that, oh, I'm really good at healing soft tissue injuries. I have a protocol and it works. And I want to share this with the world. And so that was kind of my foot in the door. And so after I helped her with her leg injury, she sent all of her patients to me because she was doing functional medicine at the time. So she didn't want to deal with soft tissue injuries. So her patients were athletic and trying to um, work out and lose weight. She was all about getting people 
skinny and hot and and they're working out and hurting themselves and they were just like the perfect patient for me. And so that's how I built my human practice first because I didn't know how to build a business by myself and I really utilized those mentors, the ladies that I worked with to help me like model how to build a business and how to build a cash practice. And so then once I figured out how to do that, then it, it just translated over the same with animals. So I don't know if you've looked around, but everybody owns a pet now. My dogs, so many dogs. Oh my God. With knee, TPLO surgeries. How many people do you know that had a dog with a TPLO knee surgery? I hear of hips a lot. I don't know about hip dysplasia too. Yeah. It's like everyone has a dog now. I swear. It's like dogs have replaced children at this point, which is because nobody wants to pay for children, but that's another story. Mm. Um, I got some rapid fire questions for you. Okay, go. Uh, okay, first one. Best business advice you've ever gotten? Treat every patient like they're your family. Best marketing advice you've ever gotten? Only do marketing that has a re- proven return on investment. So like I wouldn't do anything like paper marketing mm. for me. I don't know. I have to, you have to look at your ROI. Like it's all about return on investment for marketing. Best health advice? Work-life balance is huge. Um, getting enough sleep, making sure you're eating regular meals and you're cooking whole, like if you cook at home with plant-based oils and I mean, I think plant-based is probably one of the better options or like a paleo, plant-based or paleo are probably better diets to follow for most people. Favorite part about entrepreneurship? Getting to make my own schedule. Mm. That's my favorite part. Autonomy. And 10 weeks of vacation or more. I take a lot of vacation time. You say that as if you had to ask for it. You probably just choose to take 10 weeks or more, right? Oh, yeah. I say that just because I had a conversation with someone recently because we were planning a ski trip together. And he's like, oh, well, I only have this much vacation. And I was just like, well, you know, I take this much vacation every year. <laughs> but I really just need a little bit of notice and I can take a vacation whenever I want. Right. So. Favorite part about Austin, Texas? Well, uh, Barton Springs is my favorite part about Austin, Texas. Really? Have you been there recently? Yeah. I mean, I went with my dog about a week or two ago. Love that. I live right by there. Yeah, um, it's my favorite. It's funny. Somebody was like, yeah, we go down there and we do like cold plunge. And I'm from Minnesota. I'm like, there's nothing cold about this plunge, but nice job. I have one more question. Before I ask that question, though, where can people find you? How can we find out more about you? What's your plug? I'm on Instagram, but not super active. But I'm in Southwest Austin. And... That's my main location at Tiger ATX, but my business is Elite Motion and Performance. You can find me online at amassicairo.com. And then usually the best way to get a hold of me is to send me an email. Email is key. If you call or text, you may not get a response. So email is the best. Love it. We'll put all that in the show notes too. Yeah. Um, before I ask the last question, I just want to say that I just really respect the fact that you have gone into an area of practice that I feel like nobody's ever heard of. Um, and I think it's cool that you found this little nugget of care, of health care that you can really serve in the way that you want to and to treat animals and to do so from a place of compassion and to really like, it seems like you're very rooted in the fact of you love animals and you really want to help them. And I just want to commend you for that. And I just want to say that's great. And my last question is, is 
if you were to start over from ground zero and you wanted to start a practice, we don't even have to say it's Cairo, really any sort of like health practice, we'll say. And you're just like, man, like I really know I want to get out of the corporate grind. I want to start my own thing. I want to be an entrepreneur. What's maybe the best piece of advice you can give that person just to get started to get moving in the right direction? Start your side hustle now. So just start doing it. Start doing it on the weekends. That's, you got to start somewhere and start taking the class to learn how to do the thing that you want to do and then just start doing it. You don't have to have a website. You don't have to have all this stuff. Just start doing it and get good at it and then everything else will fall into place. Make the leap. Yeah, take the leap, but sometimes you have to do it when you're ready. Sometimes you get forced into doing it because everything else falls apart and that's the only choice you have. I think that's kind of what happens to a lot of entrepreneurs. But there's, it's hard to leave the nest. It's hard to get out of the comfort zone. But you will not grow unless you get out of the comfort zone. Love that. Appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, thank Thanks. you. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you for listening to the show. And I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you're looking for simple, actionable tips on how to market your health and fitness business or need help with your website, just go to coreyha.com. Thanks again and keep hustling, my friends.